Linda Bonner is a certified master NLP coach and master NLP practitioner, ICF and ANLP member and author of Press Play, a popular book and accompanying workbook for youth coaching. Linda focuses on helping people to make, meet and exceed goals in their personal and professional lives. She does that herself in a variety of ways, including marathoning and ultra marathoning. And we'll hear all about that on today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Linda Bonner, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Doug. I feel like we're going to have an incredible conversation already. I I think we have already. Before we got on air, we just discovered a few things like um, both of us are Brooklynites. Of course, I haven't been. I'm living upstate since COVID hit. But uh, both of us runners, we probably... Yeah. Past each other running in Prospect Park. I don't know, at least we would have done if I hadn't moved away when COVID started. <laughs> so you've been there for how many years? Oh, we're here two and a half years now. So you yeah. moved here for COVID. You you said, you know, I yeah, think I'm going to get to Brooklyn. Why for- not? You know, get there, COVID. We hear COVID is on the way. Uh, why not move to America? <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> I know. Let's move to the... The first hot spot in America. And I know. See what that's like. And the most expensive, right? Let's move not to, but to the most expensive part of it as well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Tell us a little bit about you now. So you are an NLP coach or trainer or what? what is, who is Linda Bonner? Oh, this is a good question. Thanks, Doug. Linda Bonner is a lot of things currently. And I think I always have been as well, now that I say that that out loud. Uh, One of the things that I do, one of the primary things that I do is my coaching. So I'm a master NLP coach and practitioner from MindBridge Trainings. I am also the author of a couple of coaching books as well. So I've got Press Play, which is my coaching book for teenagers. And more recently, I've got Just Three Things, which is my coaching book for adults. I'm also the co-founder of a well-being app called Upstrive. So we have Upstrive Education and Upstrive Business. I'm a runner, a daughter, a wife, a <laughs> sister, an aunt, a godmother. <laughs> Lots of different things. And still an educator at heart as well, because I taught history for 15 years. And Art history. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you, you sound like you may be from, um, what, New Jersey? Where, you know, yeah. Kind of yeah. Just the other side of that, I think, you know, if you go a little bit further. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my geography is not as good as my history. Um, <laughs> I'm from Ireland originally, Doug. Yeah. So from Galway in the west of Ireland. Hmm. And I'm here via the Middle East. So I spent 15 years in the Middle East where I taught. That, that is a circuitous route. Um, so you it went is. to, you were, living in Dubai when you met Mary Lou Seavey, which was brought you to, but you were doing NLP already or did you? I had, I had an NLP course. I had an NLP certification from a particular course. And that's an interesting story because 
I wasn't too familiar with NLP and a friend of mine was telling me about this amazing course she was doing. And at the time, it didn't fit my schedule. I was so busy as a teacher, it didn't fit my budget. And when we both, when myself and my friend, when we finished our NLP courses and we compared notes, I was like, you have done a lot more than I have. And your stuff looks a lot better than my stuff. So she introduced me to Mary Lou at Mindbridge. And a couple of years later, I, you know, I've been working with Mindbridge. I was one of their representatives when I lived in Dubai. I've done their their master's training, their advanced master's training. And yeah, I just, uh, if Mary Lou CV and if Mary Lou and Jerry Seaver were doing a course on tin opening, I would be there. Cool. <laughs> That's really good. So They're incredible. Tell us, tell me about your books. Now you said one is press play. What does that mean? I mean, to me, it means like in a tape recorder, you press play and you play. Is that where it comes from? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. And I think that's, I love getting people's take on things as well. Press play comes from the whole idea of take action around something and have fun while you're doing it. So press play is my coaching book for teenagers. Was it the first book that I wrote it deals with 40 of the most prevalent real life challenges that young people are facing. It looks at them through four different sections of personal, family, friends and school. And it offers young people a range of skills, coaching skills, tools and techniques, including NLP, to help them overcome challenges successfully and move forward confidently. So that's Press Play. And then I created a Press Play journal as an accompaniment to that. And then last October for World Mental Health Day, I launched Just Three Things, which just is all about making, yeah, Just Three Things. So what are those oh, three things? Easy. <laughs> easy. Um, there are more than just three things, actually, Doug, and that's the, <laughs> the interesting <laughs> thing as well. But Just Three Things looks at a number of different categories across our life and offers three different ways of managing those particular challenges as well so it's about making change more simple easy manageable doable um and it's it's that whole thing of you know if one person can do it anybody can right mm-hmm. yeah that's one of the things that is basic tenet of nlp is that um, we all have the same sort of neurological computer here so that if we you know, if we can take the program from one, somebody's doing something really well, if they can do it, then we can take their strategies and their way of doing it. And, you know, that the program they're running and put it into yes. this neurological computer of ours, and we can yeah. do it too. So you said some of it's from the world of NLP, some yeah. of it's not, whereas where, what other, uh, what other things are you drawing from for your just three things? I'm also a student of positive psychology at the moment. Oh, Yeah. That's one of the other things I do as well. (laughs) Are you learning that in New York City or? I'm doing it online. I started this uh, actually at the start of the pandemic. And I thought, you know what? I'll have this done in a couple of months. It's, you know, three large modules to it. It's a fantastic course. I only finished module one, but I've absolutely loved it. And so there's a lot of focus on strength-based work you know, positive psychology isn't just living in la-la land, thinking everything is great, right? It's it's looking at a number of different resources. Uh, we've got motivation, we've got resilience, you know, and, and applying this, it's another tool in my coaching toolkit. And mm-hmm. that shines up, like it shows up frequently through my writing as well, and especially in, in just three things. Cool. So that's really interesting because <clears throat> I find that, you know, most coaches who are successful at 
coaching have a, a multiple sort of um, set of tools that they have available yeah. to them. It's not just NLP or not just this or just that. So um, the name of this website, the name of this podcast is the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. So tell us what you think would be, if somebody's listening to this podcast and doesn't know really where to go, they want to be a coach, let's just say they want to get better at coaching maybe. Hmm. What would what you, what would you say is an essential coaching skill that somebody like must know in order to be good at coaching? For me, there are there's probably more than one. Okay, <laughs> so at least you, three, maybe. There's probably three or four, <laughs> and these are things. It's really interesting because I didn't think of number one would be active listening. Active listening that really, really deep listening. And here's our NLP, right? Not just listening for those patterns of language, but observing other patterns as well. And hearing the the patterns of thought, yes, the patterns of language, noticing the patterns of behavior. And we can only do that when we're fully tuned in to the other person. So a lot of coaches that I meet and that I work with as a mentor, you know, they'll say, well, Uh, Then I start thinking this and then I'm thinking of the next question to ask. And I said, well, therein is part of our challenge. We're bringing the focus on us. Whereas when we pause and we put ourselves to one side and we're fully present and we're listening at the deepest level that we possibly can be, we notice so much more. And I think that brings me then to the second point is taking ourselves out of the equation doing our best to park any judgments that we have, any judgments that could arise in the conversation and driving curiosity instead. And, you know, again, that, that deeper level of listening. And one of the, one of the third things then about this is silence. Space and silence. So that's really wonderful to hear that. I I, am. I'm a big advocate of silence. But very few people mention it. I mean, if, I think you may be the first person who's, who's mentioned it. Um, tell me more about how you use silence. I love this so much. And one of the, I think one of the most powerful things that I've learned about myself and in being an even better coach is again, so not making it about me. Oh, I need to know the next question to ask. I need to be talking. If I'm not asking a question, I'm not a great coach. It's just zipping it and giving the person the space that they need. And I found that when I do that, oh my gosh, Doug, the the things that people bring to a conversation or to the surface is phenomenal. When they feel that they're not going to be judged, they've got space, no one's going to interrupt them. It's such a powerful experience. What I noticed is, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Who gives us the time and the space? And everybody's so busy, right? Mm, You know, so, okay, oh, I hear what you're saying. And this is it. Actually, I wasn't even finished. And there's a lot more thought behind that. And uh, no. So when we stop and get comfortable with the silence ourselves, (laughs) because I know, again, people I work with aren't always like, it's like, this is weird, Linda. And I'm like, tell me about that. Yeah, no, it's really true. And I know I'm, I'm jumping into the silence here a little bit, but 
it is radio. <laughs> or, or so one of the things that happens, of course, in a conversation with someone is that there's other modalities happening. We can see each other, um, and I can see that you're nodding or, or yes. whatever. Um, on on radio, there's not that much. <laughs> oh, no. So. But I, I do want to ask you more about this because it, I find it so, what you're saying is just so spot on, so important, I think. The the deep listening, very rarely do people get that, you know, to really being, to being heard, to taking in everything and just not, not listening to say, okay, I, I know what my next response is going to be because most people are just waiting for the other person to stop talking so that I can say my response. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just listening. And then if I do respond, a lot of times it's going to be repeating back to the person what they've just said. Yes. So that they can hear it because sometimes this is true. The part of the brain that says something is not the part of the brain that hears something. So if you say back to them exactly what they've just said, using their words, they've heard it for the first time when you say it. Yes. So then they've got to go, oh, well, yeah, it's not what I meant. And what I really meant was, you know, and they expound on it from there. But it's it's amazing. And then when you stop talking and just listen and look at them with that, you know, pregnant pause or whatever, they they get to go places in their brain that they wouldn't ordinarily. It's so beautiful. And it. I think I really believe that it encourages, I know I do with with my coaches, right? When they stop and they look at me and it's so uncomfortable first because I'm like, I'm paying you to ask me questions here. I'm paying you. And I said that to one of my coaches, I'm I'm paying you to do this for me. And she said, hmm, you know, and I'm like, right, okay. And then my brain starts to go, well, actually, no, it's not that. That's the surface answer. And I think it's part of this. And I think it's part of that. And again, just giving ourselves the space sometimes as well to explore and not judge ourselves, but not accept the first answer that our brain gives Mm -hmm, us either mm -hmm. and asking that, what else could be there? What else is there? And what else could be there? Beautiful. When when you talk about this act of listening, did you learn that somewhere? Did somebody teach that to you? Did Mary Lou Seavey teach that to you? Where did you learn this act of listening? A number of a number of different layers and pieces came in, and I think it, it's definitely my my NLP training with Mary Lou and Jerry. That's a huge part of it, and then it's it's other pieces as well. You know, so as we as we learn more about NLP and we understand ourselves better, and it's like, you know, I'm not listening very well here. What is it that I need to do differently? So asking ourselves those those better questions, you know, that that NLP teaches us to do as well. And also then different coaching modules. What am I really, what am I really doing here? Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm hearing for that piece where I can jump in and, and I can go, yes, 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 me as well. And me. So I think the, the context is really important also because that often comes from a good place. We want to build those relationships. We want people to like us and to feel yeah. that we belong. So when we sometimes do that, yes, and me, you know, that's not always, I want to interrupt you with my story. It's hear me on this because I want to connect with you. Mm-hmm. Like me, please. Right. right. Yeah. Beautiful. When you do coaching, I have a slightly different question. Yes. Um, 
One of the things I noticed is, is, is over the years, I, I started doing NLP a long, long time ago. And um, back in those days, in the 80s, um, the 80s. <laughs> 80s, yeah, remember those? Were you born then? Barely. <laughs> I can't even lie. No, I'm a 90s girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so people, we would do therapies. We do NLP therapies. That was the thing. You know, you'd say, hey, you, you want to do a therapy with that? And it was like, a therapy process um somewhere along the line it's segued into doing coaching um or just nlp processes or something and and the 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 term coaching evolved i think started somewhere multiple places i think of it as being started with thomas leonard but other people have laid claim to doing it as well anyway um when i do proper coaching when i when i'm really in a coaching relationship with someone it is usually over several months if not longer mm-hmm. um when people come to me for hypnosis or nlp it's usually for a particular issue they, mm-hmm. they they come for a session they come for three sessions you know whatever and then you know we're done yeah. How, what to you is the difference between or what is coaching to you is is coaching a, a one-stop therapy or is it a, a multiple weeks months years conversation or how does it work for you again for me it's about the context and the relationship with the person and what their objective is and so I know from working with you know with my coaches and with a number of different people sometimes it's a one-off session and it's this thing has come up I'm very self-aware and I'm very good at working through certain things and I'm only human. So I get blinkered and sidetracked and everything else. And I often need that different perspective. Okay. So that's, you know, I'll phone Mary Lou and I'm like, can you help me with something? Like, can you talk me through something like this? Great. Other times it's more ongoing because I know that it's not going to be a one session thing at all. This is something that's quite deep rooted. And so I might choose to work with a coach or with someone else, a mental health professional, for example, over a period of time. And I apply those particular models to my practice as well. Mm -hmm. So I've got people who will come to me every now and then for a one off session. I've got people who come to me because they're working for something bigger. And there's something that they want more continuous support. So that might look like um, a month or three months of work together. So I'm very open. I don't, you know, I always say to people, you know, coaches, other coaches that I'm working with or mentoring or something. There's a lot of focus on coaches creating programs and having like a 10 week program or a Mm -hmm. 10 month program. And I don't do that. And just doesn't mean that I think it's right or wrong. It's just not something that I personally do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I'm curious about something I saw in your bio that you are an, a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach. What yes. is that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And the first thing that I always say is, right, so, that the the whole imposter syndrome is that feeling of you know oh, I shouldn't be here someone's gonna find out you know <laughs> oh, someone's gonna find out that I'm not you know this MCC certified coach through the ICF where I haven't got all these NLP certifications and what if I need more to be taken seriously and so it's that feeling of being a fraud like we're an imposter in our situations mm-hmm. and I did a lot of work with Mary Lou on this And I said to her one day, you know what? I love this topic. I love it so much. 
she said, well, maybe, maybe this is what you do. And I said, oh my gosh, could you imagine if I was like a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach? And she said, <laughs> I see it, honey. I see it. <laughs> so, so that's, it's one of the ways that I market myself, Doug, as a break, as somebody, as a coach who works with and empowers executives in that space to break through their own imposter and to really ignite their self-confidence, to take the seat at the table and to be the leaders that they were born to be, to get rid of the self-doubt and, and increase their self-confidence, just to, to own their successes, right? To own what they know and, and own what they don't know. Being okay with that as well, I think is a, I know it's a huge part of the work that I do also. So is that, you said executives, is that just for executives? It's not really, because, you know, what is, well, I say like, he's, he's an executive and he's not an executive these days, right? Is it like a title? And when, when companies approach me, that's how I will market myself. Okay. And I, it's really interesting because that really resonates. That title of being a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach resonates. I have in only in my own personal experience resonates exceptionally well here in the U S it did not resonate very well in the middle East. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that's interesting. So people will come to me for coaching, you know, Oh, uh, so I know you do this. Do you also do that? And I said, well, yeah, of course. And as a master NLP coaching practitioner, there's lots of things that I do outside of that as well. So I think it's, it's interesting what conversations flow more naturally or easily in different parts in, of the world. I know if it was Ireland 10 years ago and I said, yeah, you know, and I'm a mental health advocate and these are some of the things that I do. They'd be like, don't talk about mental health, Linda. No one talks about mental health. Like we, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. You know, don't talk about feelings and things, you know, of that kind of nature. Let's just go to the pub and not talk. <laughs> Stephen Gilligan used to say that his mother, that Irish Catholics always talk, 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 talk in order to avoid saying anything. Gosh, and talk about listening, right? Who's actually listening? I mean, thankfully, it's it's so much better nowadays. It really is. It's, yeah. You know, we've we've got work to do. Who hasn't? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, future leaders, coach, do you work with kids differently than? How, how does that work? So I love this as well because when I started coaching first. Some people used to say to me, why are you still working with teenagers? Because obviously I was a teacher for a huge, huge part of my life, my working life. I said, why would I not? They were like, that's not where the money is. And mm. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, I, I want money. And I also love working with young people. You know, I've been through when I was, you know, when I was a teenager, gosh, I had a whole host of challenges that I was trying to work through. And and I I just couldn't work through them on my own. And I didn't know what help or support to get. Mm -hmm. And so when I see, I know for a fact, through all the research that I've done, teaching, everything else, you know, when we give young people the skills, the tools and the techniques to manage themselves better, manage their stress or anxieties or self-confidence or, you know, body issues or whatever, they will show up to a class in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, and life is so much more. Like, I'll always love history and I'll always love education and everything else. There is so much more 
important things in life than writing a three-page essay. There really is, or being able to regurgitate facts and things like that. It's for me, that's a given. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. That's outrageous. I know, I know. I'll be inundated now with emails like from boards of education <laughs> and everything else. And well, that's you know, it's it's true. And that's where my my work with Upstrive with our well-being app comes into play as well, because again give people the help people develop that self-awareness give them more tools teach them more ways of being able to manage themselves and we move through life so much more differently better so as a as an educator as a teacher um did you feel like when you wrote the book press play that you needed to create a kind of um curriculum uh syllabus for students to learn these skills um, on their own kind of thing could you could you work with a group of students do a like a camp sort of thing or yeah and I used to right so I used to have like emotional intelligence sessions and coaching group coaching sessions for young people like when I worked in Dubai as well and you know used to work with schools in that capacity and now that looks slightly different as well and they were great you know and it's interesting because at the time I had a small group of students doing these particular sessions. It wasn't like I was inundated with interest. That takes a lot of courage, right? For a young person, for a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old to say, I'd love to learn more about myself, miss. I would love to learn ways of managing my anger, managing stress, like communicating with my friends better, you know, working with my parents a bit better. I'd love to have these tools. And they're the, you know, I keep in touch with a lot of these students and they're the ones who are paving the way, you know, they are the future leaders. Or, well, a lot of them are the leaders now in their own mm. way. Yeah, for sure. And you are also, we talked earlier about both of us marathoning and running in Prospect Park. You, you've you run a lot of marathons. How I'm many did you say? <laughs> Sunday will be number 15. Sunday? Well, this coming Sunday? You're this going coming to Sunday, yep. All right. So by the time yeah. anybody listens to this, that will be in the past. So how'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So if I can use like my NLP and I can be like, how did I do that? I ran my I ran my 333 marathon that I want. How did I do it? <laughs> I, I like that question. Yes, I, like, I did brilliantly. Thank you. Excellent. I set myself a very clear focused outcome. I had, you know, clear and compelling steps towards it. And yeah, I, I figured... Joe, this is funny now that you say it, because even when I'm doing my training runs, uh-huh. I will, it's also, so I'll be doing my own little version of the toad model, right? I'll test something. I was like, test, operate, that's not working, then to do something different. It's like, okay, and what can I change about that? You know, what's my pattern of thought right now? How am I, how am I showing up in this situation? And, and just, yeah, doing things better if they're not going well. No, it's really, it's a brilliant way of applying the NLP trainings to yeah. training ourselves physically yes. in a marathon situation. You've also run ultra marathons. I have. Yeah, I've done two. Can you define for uh, the listeners at home to, that don't know what that means? What is an ultra marathon compared to so a marathon? A marathon is 42.2 kilometers or 26.1 miles. <laughs> 26, 26.2 miles. <laughs> and that 0.2 is really important. Very important, yeah. So an ultra marathon is then anything longer than that. Okay. Uh, most popular distances, 50K, 100K. My running coach has run 
like 300 kilometers like across deserts and, and things like that so they're uh-huh. they're long and they can be very long <laughs> what, what i've done a 50k what's it why is 72k what what's where's that number come from a 72k i think it's, it was the, the distance right so i did this in oman and it was up and down just this incredible mountain range but it was up and down gosh i think a jebel mm, I can't say the name of the mountain now because I can't be sure that it's that one. It's been a couple of years. But yeah, it was 36 kilometers up and 36 oh, back down. Wow, so it was an ultramarathon up a mountain and back down? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just long. It's hard. Oh, my gracious heavens. I've got to try yeah. to translate that into miles. 50 kilometers is 31 miles. So that's that's like oh my god up a mountain and back mountain oh my that's crazy how long did it take you ten hours ten and a half hours I think it was yeah and that wasn't you know when I did it I was not going for a time at all all I wanted to do was complete it Mm. there was no pressure on me whatsoever I said you know what I'll take this I'll take this one step at a time and what's really interesting is the amount of NLP that I used on myself along the way. And I can, I can even, you know, feel it now. And I did some hypnosis with Mary Lou also. And so it's getting yourself into that state of, you know, that, that really deep, powerful state of this is it. I can do it. And whether it's an, a simple exercise, simple NLP exercise, like circle of excellence, you know, or it's, it's anchoring or it's that, um, gosh, I can't even think of the name of it now. Um, oh, yeah, but I, but I can feel it. Isn't it so funny? You know, where you, you, whole body feels electrified and it's like, I can do this. And I use that every single race when I've got about five minutes to go, whether it's a marathon, whether it's a 10K or a half marathon, whatever it is, I'm like, come on now, you've got this. And I just, it's almost like I set everything off in my body. And no matter how tired I am, I always have something left in the tank. Always. I always cross that finishing line, giving it absolutely everything that I have. And yeah, it's powerful. That's great. How, how important is it for you, for your own mental um, hygiene, if you will, to, to, to run on a regular basis? Is, is running a big part of, of how you stay together as a, as a person? Yeah. And it's a beautiful phrase, mental hygiene. Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you for that. It's huge. I know myself, if I don't run for longer than two days, something's not right. Mm. And so I'll use this week as an example. So I usually have Sunday as a rest day because, you know, my marathon was so close. My running coach gave me a rest day on Monday as well. Now come, so I've had two rest days in a row. Come Tuesday morning, I'm, I'm not myself. I know that I'm not. Mm. And I get so much from running. And it's interesting because one of the things, one of the most powerful questions Mary Lou ever asked me was, when are you going to stop running? Stop. And I said, stop running. Yeah, no, I, that's the way I took that question. I'm making an <laughs> assumption there. But I was like, oh, why would I stop running? It keeps me healthy and it's part of my mental health and everything else. And she said, mm, she goes, let me rephrase that. When are you going to stop running from yourself? And I said, oh, that's a huge, it's a completely different <laughs> completely different question and that's why so running plays running's a huge part of again 
owning up to myself, I think is a good way to put it and being honest with myself. Because when you're out there and I, I don't train with anybody, I'm a you know a bit of a, a loner like mm. that as well. Because it's my time then to process. Yeah. And if you're not completely honest with yourself when you're out either running, whether it's 5K, 40K, 50K, up and down a mountain, whatever you want to do, you're going to find you're going to find it challenging. When you're out there and you're training, you're very honest with yourself. This, for me, it's a very powerful connection. I don't know. Things things work better. Things flow better. Yeah, that's true. And I, I like you. I've um, mostly trained alone. I've done a lot of miles. Yeah. It was mostly mostly alone. Although sometimes in the longer runs, I would uh, enjoy running with the with the club, the Trussell yeah. Track Club. If I was doing twenty miles or so, it was sometimes awfully nice to have somebody to talk to her and set the pace to keep up with. And I also rarely ran with like music. I tried it a few times to run with a radio or run with something to listen to headphones on. I, I, I didn't like it. I mean, I liked some of it, but it's a time for me to clear my head, to be with myself and to, to sort things out. And sometimes just to stop thinking entirely yes. and, and enter into that silence. That's so, you know, precious and rare. It's, so interesting because excuse me about I don't know six weeks ago or whatever in in a conversation with my running coach and I said oh you know I I just stopped for a second to put on a new podcast and he said whoa hang on a second now I said oh gosh what's going on and he said what here's your challenge for next week no music no podcasts and there's only sometimes that I'd listen to music, but, I, you know, I was trying to catch up on podcasts and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said, nothing. I want you to listen to your body. And I went, boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm out doing my training run. And I'm like, it is amazing what you hear and what you can tune into mm-hmm. when you're not tuned into something else. So when you're not plugged in. Running from something. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. And how many runners do you see? And I'm not saying that anybody who's plugged in isn't plugged into something wonderfully fantastic and motivational and and everything else. Gosh, there's no judgment here at all. It's it's really interesting. I ended up then running with a gentleman in the park one day. And he was a lot faster than I was. And I was really struggling to keep up. And he says, come on, you're doing great. And I said, lovely to meet you. You go on. And he kept waiting for me. And I was like, gosh, would this guy ever just, you know, whatever. And he said, hear that. Hear that. And I was like, hear what? Like, what's he hearing? And he said, is there? He goes, there is no better sound in the world than a runner's footfall, than hearing your footfall. That beat right, two, 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 two. And I was like, oh my gosh he said and listen to us he goes we're so in sync we've just met but we're so in sync and I said this guy's mad what's he talking about (laughs) but he was right we had just whatever it was Mm -hmm. we were we were just in flow we were we had that rhythm going and I was like gosh it's it's that yeah it's wonderful it's interesting you should say that I was in Boston this past weekend watching my nephew run the Boston Marathon I have done it once before but um, he was running it this coming weekend and this past weekend. And um, we, we went out on the course to, to watch him run out to Wellesley College area. And um, it was amazing watching these thousands of people run by. And 
at one point I totally went into trance just listening to the footsteps going by this, this I mean thousands of people going just it was amazing sound to hear those things going obviously they weren't in sync but it was just this wave of these footsteps all you could really hear was this footsteps footsteps so it's footsteps it's hypnotic right? it totally was yeah absolutely yeah have you ever like assigned a client um running as a as a therapy i generally don't assign things i'll do my best to allow the client to come up with some suggestions that will be helpful for them and if i feel like you know if i feel that they're giving themselves something easy i'll challenge them on it i will often put a request in i say here's here's what i'd love you to do and i deliberately i deliberately don't you know assign or suggest things that that have worked for me because just because they've worked for me just doesn't sure. essentially work for someone else. If someone says that they would like to give running a go or that they'd like to do something different in terms of terms of exercise, then then that's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love it, right? I'd love to say, look, here, here's what you need. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, here's my favorite one. Here's what you should do. I say that in air quotes for people who are listening because it's like... <laughs> really should I and Linda as a coach should you be saying that <laughs> well do you do you go kind of Ericksonian suggest that they might want to go for a run and, and start running? <laughs> what could be useful in this situation <laughs> when you step back and you gain a greater perspective you'll probably notice that actually something useful in this situation would be to get outside and go for a nice walk potentially a run who knows I think you do <laughs> So yes, you have done that. <laughs> That's funny. It's clearly not the first time you've said those words. Okay, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> and one more thing I want to ask you: um, yes. the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. I always want to ask my 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 guests at least uh, two questions. One I've already asked yep. you: what is what is an uh, essential coaching skill t- to you? And um, the second one was what what would be essential for somebody who wants to be a coach to be successful in coaching? In other words, um, from a business perspective, a marketing perspective, I mean, how, how can you do it? How can you make a living? You went from teaching, you know, you, you told me a little bit about your history. You were teaching uh, history in yeah. Dubai. And then um, I, I think you were, Tell me that story once again. You met your husband, but you couldn't both get teaching jobs or what was that? Yeah, so we I moved to Qatar to get a Qatar. teaching job because I couldn't get a teaching job at home. So I moved to Qatar in 2004, spent five years there. I met Steve. He was also a teacher. We're like, great, let's, you know, teaching's a great job for, you've got two people in it. You can move all over the world and it's fantastic. We could not get a school that had a teaching job for the two of us or even schools close together. Um, there was a job in Thailand for Steve. There was a job in Peru for me. And wow. there was nothing together. And we were looking to move from the Middle East at the time. It wasn't anything wrong. We were like, we just fancied a change. And then we ended up in Dubai. <laughs> because you could get a job there. Because the two of us could get jobs there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's where you met the CDs, is that correct? So that's where I met Mary Lou and Jerry. I sometimes call them Jerry Lou. <laughs> <laughs> To their face. It was like it was as if at the 
the tongue one day and then it just kind of caught on. And I was like, hey, Jerry Lou. And they're like, oh, hey, Linda. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I met them. And I, I was doing their, I had just left teaching full time actually when I started their master NLP coaching practitioner, um, master NLP coaching practitioner course. And so I think, sorry, Doug, were you even finished answering your question? I was just going off into an answer there. Well, the the answer, the question is, I think coming, the answer to the question is coming up soon, but the idea you segued from teaching as a profession into doing coaching as a profession. So how do you get clients? How do you put yourself out into the world in order to have a viable business? Yeah. So for me, it was all about, I, I, I had to be very clear about what it is that I now did. And so at every opportunity, and I mean, every opportunity, you know, networking, this is what I am. This is what I do. This is the value that I add. Where do you and do taking, this networking? Uh, live meetings? Oh yeah. I went to net, I went to loads of live meetings. I contacted people. I said like, this is what I do. When I say I contacted people, I contacted magazines, um, radio shows in Dubai I built up relationships like I, I continually built relationships with people and I used the relationships that I had and I do not mean this in a manipulative way at all I used the relationships that I had to see where I could add value so parents that I knew of, of you know young people that I used to teach might be like you know Karen I know that you are the editor for this particular magazine could I write you a piece on this? Like, you know, I love writing. What would be useful? And she's like, oh my gosh, Linda, can you write this to me? Can you do this? Yes, of course I will. You know, and a lot of stuff I, I ended up doing for free or there was some kind of a value exchange along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think having faith in yourself as well, because there were a number of times when I phoned my husband and I said, I'm out. When we move to the US, I'm getting a teaching job. This coaching thing is not working out. This is what I'm doing. And he said to me, he was like, oh, hello, who is this? Said, Obviously, it's me. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was talking to Linda Bonner, life coach, author of the fabulous book, Press Play, and just generally fantastic woman. And I went, okay, okay, bye. <laughs> I was like, bye. So every now and then, it's like, we need to be our own cheerleaders, mm-hmm. okay? We need to be able to put our hands up and say, this is not easy. I'm struggling here. Where can I use some help? Because there'll be moments like that. But having, you know, people talk about that, that inner compass and that North Star, being very clear about what it is that you want. And knowing that sometimes that means doing other things so that you can do what you want. So I took a part time teaching job a couple of years later. And I'll never forget a couple of people saying to me, oh, you're not a real coach anymore, Linda, because now you're doing part time teaching. You couldn't make it work. And I felt like saying, you have no idea why I've taken a part-time job. You haven't even asked me. You've made an assumption about me. You know, really? And it's interesting, Doug, because from that part-time teaching job, so many opportunities came on for me, mm-hmm. including sure. radio work. And all of a sudden, I've got people going, heard you on the radio, heard you <laughs> on the radio, saw you in that. And I said, oh, yeah. They're like, you get a rack. And it's, um, yeah, so it's, I think it's persevering and being resilient as well. And how do you do that? Hmm. I was going to say run marathons. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you might want to find. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might find that if you <laughs> run a marathon. <laughs> it's, you know, again, 
keep when the going gets tough right some of us might have had that old passion of giving up are doing something that didn't serve us and we end up at square one again so here's where nlp and coaching of course is fantastic right i want a different result what is it that i need to do differently well i need to keep going right so what do you know what maybe i need to do this or i need to do that or i just need to go through it and see how i can grow through it and that comes with, you know, asking for help as well and becoming resourceful because, you know, yourself, Dilla, NLP, we've, we've got all the resources we need inside of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I know for me personally, they're not always at the forefront of my mind. I've mm-hmm. got to dig a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think of getting up that hill in Prospect Park, right, or getting up the hill in the Dublin Marathon. And I'll never forget it years ago. There's a gentleman standing on the sidelines of the street and he says, come on, lads, here's the hill dig deep and I'm like does this is this like a run this because this is really hard and it's like well hang on a second I have like I have got the resources I have got that energy they're just a little bit he's right I do have to dig deep so we dig deep and dig deeper and sometimes even deeper again nice I liked what you said before about you have to go through it or grow through it yeah great great friends it's a choice right yeah and i I often think by the way that when you come back around to square one you're not actually back at square one it's it's not a circle it's a spiral oh no yeah you're you're at a higher level than you were before because of the experiences you had and yeah yeah sorry you just you you sparked something within me because people often talk about going back right oh i just wanted to go back to the way it was but no matter what we go through, we're never the same. So we can feel like we're back at square one. But maybe we're at like 1.1 or 1.5 or something, you know, because we've, again, I think it's choosing the way, framing it in a particular way that what learning did I just get from that experience? How did I grow? And there's resilience, right? Going through it and growing through it. Beautiful. Yeah. And it is true. I mean, we, we you know, I've, I've, when I started doing uh, NLP and hypnosis as a full-time occupation, I, I also went back to teaching piano at a, at a, lo- at a local school in, in Park Slope in Brooklyn, um, the uh, Berkeley Carroll School. I taught after in their after-school program just a couple of days a week, but still it was fun to, to be in it. And I met people there and it was valuable. And there's, yeah, yeah very, very interesting, actually. Yeah, nice. This has been just so, so, so interesting. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And and I, you know, hearing that you're from Ireland and that you're working with Mary Lou Stevie and and, and Jerry, and I thought, oh, well, she must be in Virginia or something. So find out you're (laughs) across the park. I'm literally across the park, yeah. (laughs) Of course, I'm not in Brooklyn at the moment, but still. Amazing, amazing to find that out and that you're a marathon runner. Such a, such a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you and how they can get in touch with you, learn from you, yes. hire you, how would, they, how would they do that? Yes, drop me an email. I'm at linda at lindabonnercoaching.com. You can visit my website, lindabonner.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Drop me a message there. I'm Linda Bonner there as well. I'm I'm just Linda, Linda Bonner. Bonner. I'm, I'm just Linda Bonner. <laughs> Linda Bonner everywhere. Uh, Linda Great. Bonner everywhere, yeah. LindaBonner.com. Yeah. That's such a, a yes. great time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I and I, I I just love what I do, Doug, right? And I love hearing from people and I love 
hearing people's stories and making these connections and yeah and so if, you, if you'd like to get in touch whether it's to do some work to find out more to learn a little I'd love to hear from you sounds fantastic thank you Doug. Right, thank you amazing yay well that's our show for today thank you so much for joining me if you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.